Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. Hey, and to those that are watching online, I want to encourage you to come and join us in person at one of our services at one of our campuses. And I promise you, if you'll do that, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. I can guarantee you that. Well, I'm so glad to have you here this afternoon. You know I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the little girl, Amber, who was in her backyard uh, digging a hole when her neighbor peered over the fence and said, hey, Amber, what are you doing? She didn't even look up. She said, my goldfish died and I just buried him. He said, man, that's a big hole for a little goldfish. And she said, that's because he's in your cat. (laughs) Now, I don't want to offend any cat lovers now. Did you hear about the nurse at the hospital that received this call from this anxious woman? She said, I'm a diabetic. And I believe I've eaten too much sugar today. The nurse said, well, are you lightheaded? She said, no, I'm a brunette. <laughs> now, only the old folks laughed at that one. I was, I was trying that one out on my eight-year-old grandson on the way to church. And he said, I don't get it. It's just never. And I tried to, well, it's kind of like a blonde joke. I, he, didn't, he didn't get it at all. So my, I just quit when I was ahead and just put it on you. Well, today we're continuing our series called Rebuilding My Life. So I ask you this question. Have you ever wanted a fresh start? Maybe you're halfway through a project. Maybe it's painting your house. Maybe it's cleaning out your garage. Maybe it's raising your kids and you just wish you could just start over. Maybe you're halfway through your college education. Maybe you're halfway through your career and you wish that you could just turn back the clock and do things a little bit differently. I believe that the Word of God provides you with, steer, with spiritual strength to start over. Now, I'm not talking about making a small change. I am talking about rebuilding your life. So here's the big idea for today. Every big change in our lives starts with the choices that we make. Every big change in our lives starts with the choices that we make. Until you start making some choices, nothing's going to change. And I want you to remember that changing always starts with choosing. Changing always starts with choosing. And so many times, we want God to change us, to change our circumstances. We cry out to him and say, oh, God, would you take away my problems? Will you take away my pain? Will you take away my sorrows? Will you take away uh, all this suffering and this sickness and this sadness? And all those prayers are very important. But you know what? God wants to change change you from the inside out. He wants to start inside of us. And if you're going to change your life, you have to change the way you think. If you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you think. You say, why is that? Because your thoughts control your life. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man, as a woman thinks in 
their heart, so they become. We, what we think determines who we become. And here's what I've learned through life. You are moving toward what you're constantly thinking about. You are moving toward what you are constantly thinking about. So the first step of rebuilding your life is choosing to change what you think about. Change starts in your thinking. This is the message of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Like I said, your thoughts control your life. Now, here are three reasons I believe that I must change the way I think, and maybe you too. I must change the way I think because the way I think determines, first of all, my behaviors. The way I think determines my behaviors. Every single action begins as a thought. If you don't think it, you just don't do it. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Above all else, be careful how you think because your thoughts control your life. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. Above all else, be careful how you think because your thoughts control your life. If you get your mind going in the right direction, then you will get your life going in the right direction. Because you're going to draw in whatever you're focused on. You're going to draw in whatever you're thinking about. If you're thinking, oh, I can't do this. If you're thinking, oh, this problem's too big. Oh, this is uh, too big for me. This is too hard. If you're always thinking like that, you are inviting defeat into your life. You're defining, you're inviting, you're drawing in defeat. And those thoughts are making you weaker. Those thoughts are diminishing your faith. And remember, as a person thinks, so he becomes. So we've got to watch our thoughts. So when a negative thought comes your way, I want you to erase it and replace it. I want you to erase it, erase the negative and replace it with something positive. I want you to replace it with God's word. There is power in God's word. So when that negative thought comes, I want you to declare God's word. I want you to declare God's word. Say, the path of the righteous, Father, I know that the path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter every day. And just declare that. God, this is your word. You said the path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter. I receive that in Jesus' name. You said that my latter days will be better than my former days. I want you just to speak the word and speak God's word over your life, and it'll change the way you think. When that thought comes that says, oh, it's just too big, you're in over your head, replace it with what God said. There is power in God's word. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you. According to the power that works in you. I must change the way I think because the way I think influences my behavior. But secondly, my mind is a battlefield where sin often fights for control. My mind is a battlefield where sin often fights for control. Right now, there's a battle going on in your mind. 
It's a mental battle. It's a battle between right and wrong. It's a battle from, uh, in between what's easy and what's difficult. It could be between good and evil. It could be from doing healthy, making good healthy choices or doing what's unhealthy or making unhealthy choices. That battle is constantly going on. So what does that look like? For so many of us, it looks like stress. And stress comes in, and it crowds out the peace, it crowds out the joy, and it takes central focus in our lives. Now, what do we know about stress? Stress is a mental struggle. Depression is a mental struggle. Anger is a mental battle. It all starts in the mind. Fear is a mental battle. It starts in the mind. Jealousy, resentment, loneliness is a mental battle. It all starts in the mind. Addiction starts in the mind. Discouragement, low self-worth. It's a battle going on in your brain. All of your conflicts start in the mind. I believe that if you can learn to manage your mind, you can manage your life. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was one of the greatest leaders to ever walk the face of the earth. I mean, he was the next level leader. In fact, today we know of him. We see his name plastered over churches and over hospitals, and we see Paul's name even as cities, St. Paul. And so he was next level leader. But in Romans chapter 7, he pulls the curtain back and he lets us see some of his inner struggles. He said, For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me. I see another law at work in me. And this law is waging war against what? The law of my mind. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me, Paul, the Apostle Paul, a prisoner of the law of what? The law of sin at work within me. So we see one of the greatest leaders of all time. And there he is saying... I've got a battle going on in my brain. And this battle that goes on in all of our brains is initiated by Satan. Because Satan wants to control your mind because he knows whatever gets your attention gets you. But I've got some good news. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, his spirit lives in you. And Satan cannot control your mind. He may try to influence your mind with suggestions, but he can't take it over. You're a child of God. He can't take that over because God's spirit is living in you and God's spirit is your strength. So you declare, you just declare when you feel vulnerable, you feel like you're losing the battle. You just declare, said, father, I know that, that you have power to defeat the enemy. And the enemy will come against me in one way, but will have to leave in seven different ways. I know that this problem is too big for me, but I know that it is not too big for you. We just make those declarations. We thank you, God, that what you've started in my life, that you're going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, that I am going to finish this. What I'm up against is uh, not permanent, but this too will pass that we just declare those things. There is power in your word as you speak God's word. 
You speak that and you call things into existence. Here's the third thing. I must change the way I think because, you see, my happiness is governed by my thoughts. If you're going to learn to manage your thoughts, um, if you'll learn to manage your thoughts, you'll open your life up to a life of peace and happiness. We go back to Romans chapter 8. It said, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting your sinful nature control your mind, that's going to lead to death. But letting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, control your mind, what is that going to lead to? That's going to lead to life. That's going to lead to peace. So hear me today. I believe that every one of us, I believe that those watching online, I believe that every one of us can learn how to control our thoughts and discover peace of mind by doing three things today. By doing three things. Here's the very first thing that we need to do if we're going to discover peace of mind, if we're going to discover true joy. The first thing is to make sure to feed your mind with truth. You need to feed your mind with truth. We all know the importance of nutrition. We know that good food and good calories can make you feel better, stronger, and healthier and give you more energy. But bad calories and bad food can harm your body. Now, the same is true in your thought life. We want to feed our thoughts life with good food, with good word, with truth not with poison and junk. I mean, Jesus said this, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the truth is God's word. The best information around is the word of God. And I want to encourage you today, as you start this year off, I want to encourage you to make a Bible, make reading the Bible a part of your life. I would encourage you to do the one-year Bible reading plan. I did that last year, read through the entire Bible, and so you can do that too, just with a few minutes a day. And you say, well, I don't read, and I can't, I don't like to read, and, and those, there are big words in there, and I don't know how to pronounce those big words. I get it. I understand that. Here's a, uh, something you, you can do. You can download the YouVersion uh, app, and YouVersion spells as Y-O-U version app. And in that app, it will give you a reading plan that you can read every day. Or if you don't want to read, you can hit the audio version and it will read it to you. My point is whether you read it or you listen to it, I want you to get God's word in your life. Because you will make the best decisions in your life when you have the best information. If you don't have the best information, then you're you're going to make a bad decision. The best information is God's word. Jesus said it this way. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So how should we live? We should live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This word, reading this word is like food to our soul. It's an owner's manual. I said there's three things. Here's the, the second thing. You must clear your mind of harmful thinking. You've got to clear your mind of harmful things. Your mind needs to be liberated. It needs to be delivered. It needs to be released. You are a prisoner of your own thoughts. You may be a prisoner 
of the words that someone else have spoken over you. And they may not be true at all. But yet you've listened to those words that somebody else has spoken over you and you've received that. I'll tell you, now, I was called to preach when I was 14 years old. Now, I didn't tell anybody very much that I was called to preach, but it was a personal thing. went through high school. And in my senior year of high school, I still didn't tell people that I was called to preach, but I had a friend of mine, Calvin Moore, who was called to preach. He told everybody he was called to preach. And so as a result of that, our English competition, uh, um, our English lit uh, teacher would make fun of Calvin all, all the time and would just belittle him and just make him the butt of so many jokes. About halfway through the year, he, Calvin had all he can take. And Calvin finally said, look, why don't you ever say anything more to Marty? He's called to preach too. And in that moment, she looked at me and busted out laughing and said, you, a preacher? She said, if you interpret the Bible like you interpret my poetry, I feel sorry for your congregation. Okay, here's the funny thing. That's 45 years ago. I remember it word for word. I remember it. Now, I have, I have been healed of that. I remember it, but it doesn't pain me. I've been healed of those memories. But the interesting thing is this. That 45 years ago, I still remember that to the point where when we finished Christmas Eve services, we had 10 services, we had 5,600 people come to Christmas Eve. I'm on the way home. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about I grew up in a town, Abbeville, that had 5,000 people and that we had 600 more people at our Christmas Eve service than if you had the whole town together for one service. I'm thinking about Miss Simmons. Oh, I shouldn't have said that name. <laughs> I'm thinking about her. Isn't it something how words that have been spoken over you a lifetime ago that you still remember that? And some of you have had negative things spoken over you. And you haven't dealt with them. You haven't been healed of your memories, but you have carried that. Maybe somebody has told you that you're clumsy. You're not clumsy at all, but you've lived your whole life. I'm just clumsy. I just can't do this. And you've convinced yourself, and you have lived out their words, their limitations in your life. You will always act the way you see yourself. And the enemy will use all types of things to keep us back, to hold us back, to keep us captive. So what are the biggest enemies that we wrestle with? The first one is uh, my old identity, my old identity. Now, as I have prayed through these cards over the last two weeks, I've seen over and over people struggling with identity, people struggling with who they are. And I get this and I understand this. Paul talks about how this old identity, this old self, keeps him in a mental bondage. In Romans chapter 7, he said, But I see another law at work in me, and it's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Now, it's interesting. 
he is using war language here. You ever find yourself doing something that you don't want to do, but yet you're doing it anyway? That's what he's talking about here. That's the battle. You have the best intentions, but there's a a battle going on in your life with that old nature that is inside of you. That old identity is not your friend. It is the source of all of your bad habits. I grew up in a tradition that stemmed out of the Methodist tradition, the Wesleyan tradition. And John Wesley and the the Methodists had this pathway to holiness where you're saved, but then you had the second definite work of grace and that you would be sanctified. Now, I remember my grandmother, after I was saved and baptized, then she would say, you need to be sanctified, which meant for me in that tradition that you would go forward and say, I want to be sanctified, and they'd pray that you'd be sanctified. Now, that would be wonderful if, if sanctification was one and done. You know, I am now sanctified, but that's not how it is. Sanctification is something that you die daily, that you deal with this old self, these old patterns, these old habits. You deal, deal with them every day that we have to surrender it to Jesus. I am now crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, uh, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. And so Paul is struggling with this this flesh. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, he said, those who live according to the flesh have their what? Minds. Their minds set on what the flesh desires. So when you take your mind and you focus your mind on fleshly things, that's the problem. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their what? Minds set on what the Spirit desires. So it goes back to your brain. It's about how you think. And so we're talking about enemies here. So one of our biggest enemies is our old identity, that old man. We've got to crucify that old man. We've got to say, Jesus, sanctify me today. Sanctify me holy. Set me apart. Let me be cleansed. Now, the second enemy is Satan himself. Satan wants to control your mind, so he sends negative ideas, and he sends bad thoughts into your brain. He sends bad thoughts into your mind. He is constantly planning that negative, and he's going to use other people to do that. He's going to use social media to do that. He's going to use television or whatever he can to plant a negative thought in your mind because Satan wants to keep you living below your potential. Satan wants to keep you in bitterness. Satan wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you living with resentment. And what I'm highlighting today is I want you to become aware of his schemes. Because the number one scheme is the flesh. Number two is the devil. But the third enemy is the world system, the culture all the culture around you. The Bible talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the message of the culture that says, you know what? You can do what you want to do. You just got to live to your truth. Your truth. Are you living out your truth? I am telling you that is a prescription uh, by the devil. It doesn't matter what your truth is. You're not going to be judged before the Lord based on what you think. It's about the truth of God's word, about what he thinks. And so we've got to be aware of that. 
First John said it this way, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father. Those things didn't come from God, but come from the world. And the, the culture will do anything possible to keep you from living a God-honoring life. The culture will never encourage you to be prudent, will never encourage you to be chaste, will never be, encourage you to be disciplined. Satan is busy working against you with your old identity, your old self, uh, the flesh, the devil, and the world system. Well, how do you do this? How do you fight it? How do you fight all of these things going on in your brain? How do you have this mental battle? Well, let's open up the word, and I want you to hear this, and I want you to receive it. He said from 2 Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. Again, this battle language. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take what? We take captive every thought, and we take captive that thought, and what do we do? We're going to make it obedient to Christ. So notice again in this passage, a different book, but the same theme. There's warfare language. There's a spiritual battle going on, a spiritual warfare going on. And he is talking about the battle in your mind. He's talking about the mental battle. He says that we are to demolish strongholds. So what is a stronghold? Now, I briefly mentioned this last week. A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. If you're going to learn how to be mentally healthy, you've got to learn how to demolish strongholds in your life. Behind every sin is a lie that you're believing. Satan's a liar, and he's the father of lies. Every time he speaks, he's lying. And that stronghold needs to be broken. So how do we fight that mental battle? He, first of all, he says we take captive. We take captive. Now, the word in the Greek literally means to conquer. It means to bring under control. It means to capture. Our thoughts must be captive. We've got to conquer our thoughts. Next phrase says we, we make it obedient. We take every thought and we make it obey. We make it obey Christ. That phrase literally means to bring that thought under submission. Satan, you're not going to rule and reign. Nobody but Jesus is going to run my life. Nobody but Jesus is going to run my thought pattern. We take it captive. We bring it um, um, under submission. I think the reason people are so ineffective is they've never learned how to fight the battle of the mind. I don't want you to be ignorant, ignorant of what, how Satan works. I don't want you to be caught off guard. You need to understand how he works. Satan is an influencer. Satan is an influencer, and when he influences you, 
The Bible has a word for that. Calls it temptation. James chapter 1 says, temptation comes from our desires, our desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to what? Sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. What is this we see in these verses? It tells us that temptation is a process. It's, a, it's not an isolated event. You know, people say, oh, it just really caught me off guard. I just slipped. No, you didn't. You didn't. It didn't catch you up. It has been a process for, to get you to do that. There's been a process, a little thought in the back of your mind, and then you gave attention to that thought, and then you focused on that thought. It, it just kept to grow in intensity. It's a process. In fact, temptation has four phases or four steps. First of all, it starts with desire. Temptation starts with the desire. It starts with something in your mind. And it often begins with a natural desire. It begins with a God-given desire. God has given you natural desires. What are they? Like water and food and sleep and sex and success. These are all God-given desires. There's nothing wrong with them. But temptation turns a routine, turns a natural desire into a runaway desire. It's like, this is all you can think about. I mean, you wake up in the morning and you have this, 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 this a thing going on in your mind. It's all you think about. And any desire that's out of control is destructive. Here's an example. Fire in your fireplace this afternoon will keep you warm. Fire on, in your stove can help cook an incredible meal. But uncontrolled fire can burn your house down. When God's gifts are misused and abused, it can burn your house down. And so that's that first step, that, that desire that gets out of control. The second thing, the phase, you move into the doubt phases. Typically, there are two doubts that you have. This is where it all begins. First of all, you doubt that God loves you. You start doubting God's love for you. And secondly, you doubt that God knows what's best for your life. And those two doubts become a problem, a big problem. Because you see, you start this conversation in your mind. Did God really say? Did, really, did God really say that? Did God really say that sex outside of marriage um, is bad? I shouldn't do that? And we start to have that conversation. In Did God really say that I've got to forgive this person? I mean, doesn't he want me to bring judgment on them? Did God really say it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? We have this conversation going on, and we start to doubt God's word, and that doubt starts to grow, and we start to uh, doubt his plan for our lives. And then it moves us into the third phase, deception. And at this point, Satan replaces God's truth with his lie. Satan is a deceiver. He's like a good fisherman. Satan knows what bait to use to reel you in. Satan knows what, um, what you like and 
Um, all the while, he's exposing your weaknesses. All the while, he's, he's hiding his hook. And before you know it, he has hooked you in and you're deceived. And let me say this, temptation always looks better than what it really is. Then you move into the final phase, and that's disobedience or defeat. And you're just defeated by it. You've succumbed to this, and you're overwhelmed, and you've been made a prisoner of your own thoughts. Look, you are free moral agents. This is what separates you from an animal. An animal has instincts, but you have uh, a free will. You are a free moral agent. So you're free. My goodness, you can do whatever you want to do. You're free to do whatever you want to do, but you're not free of the consequences of your actions. Satan will lie to you and say there will be no consequences, but there's always consequences. So I want you to be on guard. I said three things. Here's the third one. You must guide your thoughts toward good things. You're going to guide your thoughts. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to take my thoughts. I'm going to guide them to good uh, thoughts. Philippians said it this way. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, this is what you should do. Think on these things. Think about the good and the lovely and the pure. So I want you to think about three things. And I think if you'll think about these three things, you'll guide your mind to a better place. First of all, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to put your concentration on him. If you will think about Jesus, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become like Jesus. As a man or woman thinks, so he becomes. So if you think about him, that's why the Philippians said, um, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, his mind be in you. So keep your mind on Jesus. The second thing I want you to do, I want you to think about other people. Think about others. Philippians 4 said, don't only look out for your own interests, but take on the interests of other people. Satan's goal is to keep you thinking only about yourself. It's not about you. Life is not about you. It's about God. It's about him. It's about others. And if you're not careful, you can shrink back into a world where you're only looking to please yourself and you don't consider what God wants and you don't consider anybody else. And that's a dangerous place to be. So if we're going to guide our minds to freedom, we're going to think about Jesus, we're going to think about others, and we're going to think about eternity. There is more to life than just here and now. The problems that you're faced with right now they're short-term problems. He said, oh, Marty, you don't know. I've been, down, I've been dealing with this for months, maybe even years. They're short-term. In light of eternity, they're short-term. Colossians said it this way. I want you to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Look, I realize this problem you're going through is real, and it's hard And I'm so sorry you're going through this. But let me say this. This place you're in, it's not permanent. This is just a temporary place. You're just passing through this problem. This too, this problem, this situation. It's going to pass, I promise. You're going to get through this. Tell you a little secret. In a few weeks, you're going to get another problem. 
And you're going to get through that because that's the process. And so I want you, as you guide your thoughts to a better place, think about Jesus, think about other people, think about eternity. This is, you're just passing through. This is temporary. So as we close, I want to pray over you today. In my focus of the prayer, as I've gone through all of these Uh, most of these prayer cards, and I've been praying over, I see several recurring themes, identities, one, but another one is healing. There's so many people that are praying for healing. Maybe it's healing in their own body. Maybe it's healing in a friend or a loved one, and and we're praying for that. And I want to focus this prayer on healing. But the prayer I want to pray for healing is a healing of memories. Because some of you have had negative things spoken over you. And you've embraced those negative words as the truth of your life. I'm going to pray that God goes back to the moment that it was said and that he speaks healing to that moment. I can talk to you about what happened to me 45 years ago, but when I talk about it, I'm not in pain because years ago, God went to that place and healed my hurt. I can remember that and I kind of laugh, really, because God has healed that. I want you to be able to, um, to find healing at the point of your pain, at the point of that, that when in the future when you look back to that painful thing, that you remember what happened, but you're not affected by it, you're not pained by it because God has brought healing to you. The second group of people I want to pray for today, I want to pray over people who are stressed Some of you have just taken on so much and you are overwhelmed by all the things that you've embraced. I just need to speak clearly that during this prayer, I want God just to show you things that you can let go of. I want God to very practically show you things that you need to put on the back burner that this may be for you, but now is not the time for you to concern yourself for that. That will come in the appropriate time. And you're trying to force that to happen. And your forcing that will happen is causing stress in your life because you're adding so much energy to that, your body cannot handle it. And so we're going to pray that God brings release to that, peace to that. Look, we all deal with this. I'm not telling you something that I don't deal with. And so we've got to release this and say, God, I surrender this to you. The third group of people I want to pray for are those people that even on a bright day like today, not a cloud in the sky, but yet you feel like there's a dark cloud over you. In fact, some of you may be watching online right now, and the reason you're watching online because you've got your curtains drawn and you are hiding in your house all alone because you have just had this cloud of depression over you. And I would say it is real. And I don't discount anybody that suffers through this. But I want to say to you, I want you to get help. And I realize that, um, that you feel all alone, and I just want to say to you, there's hope for you. And I want to pray that God moves you through a process where you can find healing and that God breaks the clouds over your life. God can do that. 
God has already done that today in our services. In the second service, uh, God came to me and said that it, as we prayed, he said it felt like an energy. He called it an energy that t- went through the top of his head, all through his body. And then he said after that, it's like the clouds parted. God can do that in your life. And so those are our, we're praying for healing, but again, we're focused on healing in our minds. Let's all stand together. So it's kind of interesting that when I pray, you know, some of you are saying, okay, what do I do? I mean, do I just like look around? What, you know, what do I do when somebody else is praying? And there's two things I want you to do, uh, the, two options that you have. One is you can join with me in prayer. God can hear more than one person pray. And so you can be over here and you can be praying. And maybe the Lord will have you uh, burdened to pray for somebody over here. You may not even know them. You may see uh, a person with a certain color shirt on and, and God just points you to that person and you, you intercede for that person as we're praying as a group. And so just be open to those promptings. But there's another group where I want you to listen to these words and you say, okay, God, I am uh, receiving the words that Pastor Marty's praying as if I am praying those. I am receiving these prayers in my life. And so when I, I speak freedom, you said I am receiving this freedom. So I want you to be at a place where just you receive what God has for you, okay? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, The name of Jesus is the most powerful name in our vocabulary. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, demons and devils tremble. So I speak your name over this congregation. I speak your name because I know that your name is more powerful than any problem that people are wrestling with, the name of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus over those of you that have been wounded and hurt by somebody's words. And it it was in such a tender and vulnerable moment that you've carried that pain and you've carried that pain, but today the Lord is healing you. In that going back into your memory, going back into that moment and saying, in the name of Jesus, healing is coming to you. The pain of that is being removed. God, let there be a healing of memories. Father, I also pray right now for peace, that you would allow a spirit of peace to rest upon people who are stressed out. They've taken on too many things. I ask God, just let the peace of the Lord cover them. Father, as they walk into work tomorrow, and as they walk into work, they will be triggered to take on this stress, to take on this responsibility. In the name of Jesus, we release that. God, take charge. I am giving this over to you. Say that, God. I am giving this situation over to you. I am giving this relationship over to you. I am giving this uh, addiction over to you. I am surrendering to you. Hallelujah. Surrender it and receive God's help. Father, I am praying for those that are struggling, in the middle of the struggle, in darkness. They're struggling 
um, because of depression. Some of them have been attacked by the enemy. They're demons that are trying to destroy your soul. I say in the name of Jesus, Satan has no authority over you. We're breaking down this stronghold of depression. Father, part the, the clouds. Father, other people are struggling from depression because of other reasons. It's because uh, uh, imbalance. It's because of mental issue. It's because of physical condition. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing to those that are in the struggle. And let your peace come. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And I want you to pray this out loud. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I receive, say that, I receive what you have for me. Say that again. I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.